Well, good morning. It is so good to be back with you today. I was gone last week. Um, I, had, I got the Omicron. Uh, I, I did it. It's quite an accomplishment for myself. It's pretty proud. And uh, we are fully um, immunized. We have all the robust natural stuff. My family's good. We're good. And it is so good to be back here. I planned to preach last week, and this all came up. And so I called my dad because, you know, he's preached once or twice in his life. And I said, Dad, um, they, have the, they got this pandemic going, and I, I can't get up there and preach. And so he had an emergency sermon that he hadn't planned on doing. Uh, that, that he says, well, I'm just going gonna, gonna to preach on the history of the church and what God has done for us. And I, it was amazing. And I heard so many of you who came up to me last week and you told me, you said, you said, Daniel, I'm not going to say I'm glad that you got COVID, um, but that really needed to be preached. And you know, <laughs> it's great. That's great. It just, it feels so good to be missed. And I'm just, it's, it's, <laughs> It's good to be back. I'm glad I'm back with you guys. It's fine to be here. And it's, but more than that, it was so good to listen last week to hear all that God had done in our church. And if you missed it, we, you can always catch up online, um, on our app, on YouTube, on Facebook. My dad will come to your house and preach it again. Whatever we need to do, it's all on the table, right? And, but it was so good to hear the history of the orchard and, and all that God has done in our past to bring us to this point. And whether you're watching online or listening overseas or wherever, you are or in the building, God has taken a small group of people and done amazing things, and we find ourselves here today, and, and here's the cool part, is, is what's God going to do next? That's what I love to ask. And so, but having, having grown up so close to the whole story, when my dad was preaching it, I, I remember from my point of view as a young kid, all those things, but then to hear him preach through what God had done, it, was, it just reminded me of the powerful work that God had done here. And, and it's not just, it's not just what God has done for us. It's what God has done in us. It's what God has done through us as a church. And so many people have been a part of the rich history of this church. Um, the people who taught my Sunday school when I was a middle schooler and a high schooler and who are now re-engaging and, and, and doing new ministries. And, and so many new people who've come in since then. And you guys are finding places to serve and, and places where your gifts can, can be plugged in. And it was just amazing to hear and as I was on my sabbatical a few weeks ago, one thing that just continually sunk into my heart was just how grateful I am that God has allowed me to be pastor here at the Orchard. Just what a blessing it is to be able to, to, to be your pastor, such a joy. Um, most of you are amazing people, and it's just so, no, I'm kidding, we have a church, we have a church full of such great people, and it's just a joy. I talk to other pastors, and I'm like, I'm sorry, I just, uh, my church is just the best. It's just, it's awesome. So, but uh, that said, uh, don't go looking for a perfect church, because you'll go there and ruin it. There is no perfect church, and we are far from it, as you've probably learned by now. But we have so many people who help make the orchard into something amazing, and then you add the Holy Spirit into that, and, and the orchard is this catalytic powerhouse of cultural and spiritual fireworks just waiting for God to, to unleash. And so one thing my dad struck me was just how big of a role so many people had in, in, in getting us to this point at different places. And he, asked, he finished with this question. He said, what will your place be in the future of the orchard? 
Because God's positioning the orchard for something. He's taking us somewhere. He's doing something. And the question is not like, will we sit on the sidelines and watch it? But what will your place, what will you step into? What will you do in the, to be part of the future of this church? And this very month, I've re- received emails from people. Uh, I put out a challenge and people have stepped up and said, you know, I, I want to step into this challenge and I want to I uh, lead a Bible study. I want to talk more about that. We had other people say, I in no way am equipped uh, uh, leading a Bible study and that terrifies me, but I'm all in on whatever else it would be. I can help out. I can, whatever it would be. Uh, It's just amazing to see people say that that I am ready to to step up. And and, an American church is marked by something that I'm I'm excited the orchard is beginning to change this trend. The American church is marked by people showing up at church and being a consumer. We've heard of of the term church shopping. Like, I'm I'm a consumer of church, and I like the music, but not the preacher. The coffee's a little weak over here, but this church has some really robust coffee, but then you got the guys that that talk to you at the door. Like, I mean, like, we have this consumer mentality where we're looking for a a place that checks all the boxes that we attend instead of finding a body of believers that we can be a part of where our gifts, our talents, our personalities can actually have, have a role to play in what God's doing. I say this a lot, and I'll say it again, that the orchard is the most powerful place, collection of people in this entire region with the gifts and the talents and the personalities and the people that we have. And then you add in the Holy Spirit. This church is just absolutely powerful in this region for what God can do in us and do through us in the future. And you, listen, God created you very uniquely. The person next to you that you're elbowing, he created them very uniquely. Each one of us has our own gifts and our own talents, experiences that have led us to this place. And your, who you are, God created you, that you can have an impact here at the church. In some way, up front, behind the scenes, whatever it would be, we are better as a church with you as a part of it. So we have launched forward as a church because of people like you stepping up. And, and, and my, my question is this, is, is when and how will you step up? You know, for many years, we had someone that sat back there in the back of the church. Two years, maybe. And they sat back there in the back, and they, they, were a, they came to growth group, and they were a huge part of our church. But God kept impressing on this, this woman that, um, to, to, to step forward in faith, to go, to go step forward and say, um, I can sing a little bit. I'd love to um, help, help the worship team. And God began to move in such a way that we hired her. And her name's Micah. Uh, yeah. Um, we had no idea. And, and, so, and I can't imagine the orchard w- without Micah. And in fact, who knows what God is going to do? You just never know with what God's put in you um, what, what he wants to do here in this, in this place. And so um, I'm excited for that. Um, looking back on this past year, I'm also, I had to be so grateful for so many of you who were so generous with your tithes and offerings. And, and yes, it keeps the lights on and it keeps the staff paid, but there's so much more at stake and there's so much more on the table when it comes to these things. Because here's the deal. I, you see, I, I get the privilege of, of getting an envelope of money and handing it to a widow. I get the privilege of handing it to a single parent on Christmas. Or I handed a present to a young, a young boy who didn't get to spend Christmas with his family. And I get, I get, I get to be a part of those moments and see the tears in their eyes and, and to see them say, how, how did this happen? Thank you so much. And I, I let them know, this is not me. 
that God is moving consistently in people's lives in the orchard and they are obediently giving. And I'm just here because they said yes and God, God put you on their mind. Someone today just handed me a check and said, Daniel, and it tears in his eyes, I hope this goes to help those widows and those single parents and those people. And we both cried there in the hallway because it's amazing to see as God moves someone's heart that I'm not just giving to a church to keep the lights on. I know there's a vision and a purpose and a mission at foot. And it's great to see God do that and, and to see the recipients and then also to know to tell them that's because God is putting you on their minds as they give. Just this past week, I had some people contact me um, about how God is leading them privately to uh, step back into tithing to giving their 10% here. And there's, there's some incredible stories and some fun stories that somewhere down the line with their permission and other things, we'll, we'll share some of those so you can see how, how God is moving. But it's amazing to see um, as God prompts people to align themselves. And I keep saying over and over, God is positioning us, the orchard, for something great. And some of these plans are coming into clarity. And I can't tell you just yet, but I am so excited for some of the things that God is just hinting at where he is asking us to move, that the orchard be a redemptive resource, an epicenter in this region and beyond in some ways that truly blow my mind. We have some big dreams and some big visions and, 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 and the, the generous gifts of, of people like you allow us to do things that, that we never thought possible. You know, we have a church plant in Vanuatu in the South Pacific Islands Pastor James Nicholson down there, he and I, we talk often, sometimes video, oftentimes chat based on his internet. And then he's gone off into the villages where, can you imagine, there's no Wi-Fi. He says, I'll see you in three weeks. I'm going to go minister. And, and, and so he comes back with a report and pictures and videos. Well, I was just talking to him and, and he had started a church in Vanuatu and then there was another village called Palo and he started an orchard Palo. So there's two orchards there. And they have, you know, these two churches under an orchard banner, under a Jesus banner, who are our sister churches. And, and, and you know, they had the tsunami. He said that was really not, not a big deal at all. But through all this, um, one thing that happened in the village of Palo was there, um, if I'm saying that right, James, forgive me, there was... There was um, the water well is so old, it was being contaminated. And we see pictures here. This is, this is that water well. Pastor James sent me this picture, and he said, this is the village well. And they have this board that goes over the top of it. It is old. It's eight, and and, and I, I, I was trying to imagine, like, could you imagine in Carbonell Glenwood, wherever you're from, all of a sudden you turn on the faucet, and it's just brown uh, for your shower, for your drinking, for your, and, 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 and now you have to boil anything you're going to use. And he said, um, <clears throat> the village of Palo, where our, our, one of our churches is, the, the, this is the well. And um, I, I couldn't imagine that. And because of what God moving in people like you, I, we immediately, we wrote him a check for the funds that would fully restore water for a long-term solution for that village, not just for our church who's there, but of course to, to give water to the whole village and everybody in that area. Knowing there's a thriving church there, an orchard church, and a pastor who's preaching Jesus as the main thing, makes my heart just grow and the fact that we get to be a part of it. And my hope is someday we all just take a Sunday off here and go down there, right? I would love that. I mean, literally when that country opens up from COVID, we're going and I'm going and you're welcome to come with me, but we're gonna go meet our brothers and sisters and see what God is doing. But it's just so amazing how God is taking this, taking out of the four walls and then allowing us to have an impact. Um, it's something made possible because because so many of us are faithfully saying yes to God. And here's my hope, is that the funds and the tithes, the 10% that keeps coming in the offerings, I want that to go outside the four walls. 
That's my dream. Outside the four walls, into our city, locally investing and doing things, which we have some incredible plans in some ways. And then other ways, of, as we have teams of people um, each month deciding where certain things go. It's amazing. So for those of you still considering whether tithing or offering is something that is for you, I would encourage you to align, to just, just to read God's word. And here's the point. You know, you go to a church and, and money comes up and everybody's uncomfortable. Or you ever, ever brought a guest and it's the tithing Sunday? I showed up at a church one time and brought a guest, and it was like, it was on a demon possession. And I, I sat down, and I go, and I go oh, dude, wrong church. It's, it's, I, I totally messed up. And like, no, no, I'm kidding. But like, yeah, but here's the deal. See, here's the deal. Like, money's so uncomfortable. Like, you know, you know give me the other one. You know, I'm not going to preach about money today, but I got to let you know as your pastor, I'm not uncomfortable, and it's not awkward. Jesus talked about money more than he mentioned love because he knew our hearts were deeply connected. And as God moves in our life and as God continues to, to, to call us to these things, my, listen, this is between you and him and there is zero manipulation. There is zero guilt in the world. But I can stand up here without any awkwardness, any of that stuff. And I would just ask you this. Um, ask God what he would have of you. Amy and I have a saying in our house when it comes to our money, it's all God's anyways, all of it. It's all God's anyways. And so whatever he would want from us, we are so grateful what he has given us. So I'm gonna just do a challenge those of you who, who still aren't stepping out into, into being involved or those of you who still aren't stepping out into, into tithing. I just wanna challenge you that maybe 2022 is the year where we begin to, to, to move in some of these areas beyond them to some deeper areas of maturity. Um, God has done so much in our past. He's doing so much in our present and honestly, as your pastor, I'm just so excited about what he's going to do in our, in our future. And one thing I know is I was looking back, you know, you get a sabbatical and you get to look back, is there's so many external circumstances that tell us to kind of, especially in church world, to, to step back, to be quiet, to wait and see, to take a break. I mean, for two years, we kind of did that even with our attendance. Like, just kind of step back, wait and see, be quiet, take a break. I know there are countless external variables, but what I'm feeling, what I'm sensing as I'm talking to people is that despite the culture and national and all the variables saying, just, just st step back, sit down and take a break, just, just be quiet, what I'm sensing is this, is that there is a growing internal quickening by the Spirit that doesn't allow us to sit down, that doesn't allow us to be quiet, that is asking us to speak out. In Orchard, we are full of people who are just crazy enough to take God at his word to say, you know what, if you want me to step out and speak out, God, I'm going to. I don't know where and I don't know how and it doesn't look the same for any two of us. But how would God have you step forward and step out in faith? How would God have you add your gifts and your talents to the body of believers and what he is growing here in this place? I have a sense that many of us are feeling a quickening, that God is growing something in us and it's time to step forward and have it benefit the entire church. And once more, because the church is not a place, it's, the church is not a location, the church is not a building. Church is not something you attend. Church is something that you are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are the orchard. And where you go, the orchard goes with you. Orchard, this could be a year where we see so many things happen. I believe God's going to do amazing things through us and in us. It is time to realize that the time for taking a break is over and the time for breakthrough is now here. The time for sitting down and waiting to see is over and the time for stepping forward and having the faith to see what God would do is here. It's time. You have gifts and talents and God created you uniquely and, and this church is better because of your involvement. We are stronger because of who you are. 
So we don't do any of this for our credit or our glory. We do it all for his glory. So the question is, how will you step forward this coming year? How, is it God, how would God have you respond to these questions? I know God's at work. I constantly am hearing stories about how he's prompting people, quickening people, and how they're stepping out even in their own life and seeing God do amazing things. When I was um, preparing for this message to come back, I, I, I didn't plan on saying any of that. And then I heard my dad's, and I was like, well, that was just, I mean, he's been doing this for a thousand years. It's so good. I can't not say something. That's so good. But if you've been with us over the past year, you know that we've been in a series um, of the book of John. We started last January, right? And if you're new with us, you're like, oh no, I just came in at the end. It's okay. It's okay. You can, you, can, you can catch up or you can just start right now. It's all okay. But we've been in the book of John. And here's one thing I wanted to remind you about John because we're stepping back into it because we're at the end. And it's about to get pretty amazing. Um, we're stepping back into John. We took two months off for Christmas and the new year. And I want to just remind us of some things because we're coming down to the end of John and we're going to see a side of Jesus and the heart of God in a whole new way. Next week, we're, driving, we're diving back in, and the sermon I have next week absolutely is one not to miss. I would, I would say it's, it's the Garden of Gethsemane, and, and you can't miss next week. But John is such a, a unique book. It, it's written by the disciple that's called the disciple Jesus loved. Like Jesus loved John, and John loved Jesus. John followed Jesus. John watched Jesus talk. He, he watched the way Jesus acted, and he, he tried to be like Jesus. Then he went on to have his own ministry. And then later on in his life, he sat down, and he partnered with the Holy Spirit to write out the book of John. And what's so amazing is and John is unique because it's John's account as he sat there with the Holy Spirit uh, and, and wrote down what was most important to him and what God wanted him to say. You see, John left out so much that the other gospel writers put in. And John put things in here that all the others left out. In fact, 90%, around 90% of John is unique to his book. It's a unique book. It's a unique gospel. I bought my daughter a, a new Bible. She's six now, so I bought her a new Bible over the break. And I'm teaching her like I taught my son. Every night we go read a little bit of the Bible, just a little, a little bit, and then we talk about it. I teach her how to take the Bible and then, and then ask, the right, ask the questions, apply it to her life. How does that apply to you today? And then to pray it into her heart. And guess what book we started with? John. I started with John with her. And the reason is so, right up front, it was so obvious that I talked to, to Selah about it because right here in John 1.18, in our first reading, we read this. No one has ever seen God. No one. But the, own, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in close relationship with the Father, he has made him known. No one has seen God, but Jesus has made God known. The other translation says, Jesus has revealed God to us. That's why I'm in John with my daughter, so, so that she can watch the way Jesus talks, watch the way Jesus uh, loves people, watch who he rebukes, watch how he acts, and know that in seeing that, that is God's nature. We haven't seen God, but we get to look at John and see God revealed. Such an important thing. For so many of us, we look at the Old Testament, and you, you ever, oh, I'm going to start reading the Bible, and you open it up to the Old Testament, and you go, Rules for Levitical skin diseases. Okay, well, this is not what I thought it's going to be, but let's dive in. You know, like some of us, we take the Old Testament, we're like, I'm so confused with the context and the past and the history. But oftentimes, what we can do is, 
if you, if you want to dive in and put down deeper roots this year, start with the Gospels. Start with John, maybe. Go back and read it and put down roots into Jesus because you're going to see the nature of God revealed to you. I was able to tell Selah this powerful thing, that not only do you see God revealed, but as you see Jesus, it's God revealing how he wants us to be. We see God's nature revealed, but we see how God wants us to behave and speak. You see, we get to see how God views and treats widows and impoverished and the needy. We get to to see how God responds to religiosity and hypocrites. We get to see how, how God responds to corrupt government. Because just reminder, Jesus wasn't born in a democratic utopia. He was under a very oppressive government. We get to see how God responds in those things. And so we, we see the nature of Jesus, but then we go one step further and we see how God wants us to respond to the widows and the impoverished and the needy. As we see Jesus respond, we see how he wants us to respond. We see how Jesus wants us to respond to religiosity and churchianity versus authentic following Jesus. We get to see how Jesus wants us to respond as citizens, as a part of a government. By the way, we see Jesus respond. You see, so much of the book of John is the revelation of God, but the revelation of how God wants us to act and speak and love. So as we go back through some of these points, whether you were here for these or not, be reminded of the nature of God and be reminded that this is how he wants us to be. One thing that is so amazing from the book of John is, and I'm sure he meant to do this, or I don't know if the Spirit just did it without him, but, um, but he has two groups of sevens in his book. He has the seven I am statements of Jesus, and he has the seven miraculous signs of Jesus. Two sets of seven that we've covered. And the first thing, we have these, these, these um, I am statements, and, and we think it's pretty basic, you know? I am, a, I am a dad. I am a pastor. I'm a human. We have an I am statement, and we think, well, it's not a big deal that Jesus would say I am and then make a qualifier. But Jesus makes these I am statements that are declarations and an invitation into seeing God in a new way. And just a little little background. The normal Greek word for I am is ego. That's where we get out the word ego. I am. But there's another Greek word that translates to I am, and it's emi. So we have ego and we have emi. Now when Jesus says something like, I am the bread of life, is he saying ego the bread of life or emi the bread of life? And the answer, he's not saying either one of them. Jesus actually takes them both and puts them together and says, Ego imi, the bread of life. I am, I am the bread of life. And if you pause that for one second and then go 2,000 years back in the book to Exodus 3, you come to Moses who's on his face without shoes in front of a burning bush as the presence of God is speaking to him. And God tells Moses, go to Egypt, to the most powerful person on the planet, and say, let my people go. And of course, Moses is like, whoa, that's a big job. Like, who do I, he says, he says this, he says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has, has sent me to you. And they say, what's his name? Like, what do I tell them? I, I can't tell them a burning bush sent me. Like, I, there was this shrub and I take off my shoes, so now I'm here to let my people go. Like, you, like, you, gotta, you gotta give me something a little more. Like, who should I say sent me? And, and, and God says this, God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
Theologians have delved into this one sentence, this one statement for, for, for centuries. This is what you're to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you. I am who I am. That's my name. And when you translate that to the Old Testament Greek Septuagint, you get ego emi. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he's not saying, hey, I'm a piece of bread. He's saying, I am. I am the bread of life. There is this divine connection between the God who was in that burning bush and God and Jesus saying, I am, I am. So we have these seven I am statements that aren't taken lightly. And I just want to say this a little tidbit. There's another one that people don't include in the I am statements. That there's an eighth one. Don't tell John this. Um, but there's an eighth one that I'm going to talk about coming up later that Jesus says that is so powerful and so amazing. But let's go into the seven I am statements of Jesus very quickly. Uh, and, and because each of these reveal a new side of God. And maybe for you as you hear these, you get to decide which of these I am statements do I need most today. Because each of these is an invitation for you to step into. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And perhaps today you would say, my spiritual life, it is passionless. It's pretty dreary. Perhaps you need, I am the bread of life to fuel you, to give you fuel for your passion. That was in John 6. In John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And for many of us, we have dark places within our hearts, dark places of private sin where the light of day never reaches. Places we hide far away that are eating, they're just eating away at us. And perhaps today you need the light of the world to shed light on some areas that have remained in darkness. Um, John 10, 7, and Jesus says, I am the door for the sheep. That I, I am the door for the sheep and I, I let the sheep into to my, my flock, to my pasture, and then I protect them and I guard them that no one would come in and steal mine. And maybe that's what you need to know is there's a God who protects you and who loves you and calls you into his flock. In John 11, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And perhaps you have faced your own mortality or, or you've lost a loved one. And today you need to be reminded that, that death does not get the final word because of Jesus. That death doesn't get the final word in your life and death doesn't get the final word in your loved one's life. That Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he declares. I, and he, he goes on to say, I know you by name. Like, I know you. Jesus knows your name. He knows your private hurts. He knows where your hopes have been dashed. He knows your private struggles. He, he knows you, and he longs to pick you up in his arms and care for you. And perhaps what you need today is Jesus, the good shepherd, to once again hold you. He says this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the way to the Father, I am the absolute truth, and I am the life. And perhaps you're here or listening today, and you, have, you, are, you are so spiritual admittedly so, and you've gone down the buffet of spiritual beliefs and you've taken what you like and put it in your belief system and, and you've left out what you don't like. But maybe you're realizing that you're making uh, eternal decisions with very limited perspective. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the absolute truth. And there's an invitation through your spirituality to come to Jesus as Savior and find authentic and robust belief 
as he is the way and the truth and the life. And then he says, finally, in John 15, he says, I am the true vine. Like Jesus' desire is that you would be connected with him. And this was my sermon weeks ago, earlier in January, where I said, as a, as a church, we're going to engage and put down deeper roots. Because if we are connected to the true vine, then he is resourcing us with love and peace and kindness and all the fruits of the Spirit. He's resourcing us. He's fueling us. And if you're in here today and you're like, you know, you know my, my spiritual life is just boring. I know you should admit that in church, but we can admit that. Like, 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 I read here that amazing stuff happens. Like, Tuesday at 2 o'clock in my house, it doesn't feel anything like that. Like, like, where is this passion? Where is this power? And for many of us, we have been disengaged from the vine. We have tried to grow fruit. We have tried to grow spiritually when we are disconnected from God. And that's why I said as a church, our goal this year is to engage and grow deeper in God. If we can do that one thing, Orchard, in 2023, we will be a different people in a different church. To engage on your own, in your own life. And so maybe for you, is to go back and say, I am going to connect to the vine. I'm going to, in my personal life, begin to read God's word and seek him. Now, those I am statements of John, each of them unique, each of them an invitation to come to Jesus, that he has done all these amazing things in our life. He also records seven miraculous signs. Now, do you, and here's the best part. I know you never forget any of my sermons, which is my favorite part about you guys. And so you remember six months ago when I said, there's a reason they're called signs and not miracles. I know you know, so I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It's because signs point to something. Signs point to someone. You see, John included signs, miraculous signs, because they point to someone. Every time Jesus did a miracle, it pointed to God. And when God does something in your life, when Jesus does a miracle in your life, it points to him that says, come to me. So we have these seven signs of, of, of Jesus. It's amazing. You have to stop and think of this. Do you know how many miracles Jesus did? Just if we include the other Gospels, he did, he did an amazing amount. In fact, John says in verse 20, chapter 20, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. Like there was so many things Jesus did, but then John tells us why he included these seven. But these are written, these seven are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah. These seven tell you why Je who Jesus is and that by believing, you may have life. John sifted through every miracle Jesus had ever done and said, these seven are the ones I want to present because they're gonna reveal Jesus as Savior. So let's look at these seven signs, right? I mean, if these are so important that they reveal it, well, let's look at them. The first one, sign one, he changes water into wine. And I mean, if you're gonna pick a miracle that points to Jesus as Savior, like when the wedding party's starting to kind of drag, and you're like, and all of a sudden Jesus like brings in more wine. Like how is that one of them? How is, the, how, how is continuing a party part of that? Well, the, well, first and foremost, John put this one in there as the first miracle because this was, this one sign, in one sign, Jesus declared his entire purpose for coming. And as I go through each of these seven signs, I want each of you to decide which one today you were going to pray into your life. Okay? 
the first sign of water to wine. What this is, if you'll remember with me, the water was in ceremonial religious cleansing jars. And every day they would have to cleanse themselves religiously of their sin and wash clean. And they had to continually religiously stay ceremonially clean. And Jesus replaces the religious ceremonial water with wine. Wine is the symbol of blood. Jesus is declaring here, listen, the old way of religiously being clean and performing and engaging in the law is passing and blood will now be the deciding factor. And for some of us, we need to pray if this is the sign that we need to enter into. Because for many of us, the danger has become we've been saved or we've been in church for so long, we are engaged in religious activity. For many of us, one of the, great, one of the fastest growing forms of Christianity in America is the, the religion of sin management. That is Christians just managing their sin trying to manage how much they do over here and how much they do over here. And, oh, I feel so bad and I'm walking in shame. And, and, and Jesus said, oh, 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 my first miracle took care of that. And I showed you that there is no religion that continually manages your sin. I died on a cross and my blood declares you forgiven and free. And if you're here today and you're walking in the shame of your sin, perhaps you are engaged today in sign number one where Jesus says, my blood declares you forgiven. There is no cleansing. Listen, there is no need for penance because all the penance was poured out upon Jesus on the cross and he took it all. You, not need, you don't need to give any penance in your life. It's been paid. So if you're walking in any shame from your sin today, this is your sign. Jesus has, has done all the work. Sign number two. Healing of the royal official's son. This royal official came to Jesus in great faith and said, my son is dying. Can you please heal him? And Jesus says, Jesus talked to the man. He saw that he had great faith. And guess what? Jesus healed his son. But Jesus did something interesting here. Jesus didn't lay hands on the son. Jesus wasn't with the son. Jesus healed the son who was in a different place, in a different location. The dad had to travel back to his son and found out he was already healed the time that Jesus had said it. Jesus said, well, my power, my, my body is limited to one place. My power is not limited in one place. And for many of you here today, you need this sign because you have a prodigal out there who is far from God. You have a prodigal son or prodigal daughter who has wandered far from God. Or perhaps you have a child or a loved one who is sick. And you pray, and you pray, and God right here declares that he is the, he is the Lord who, who, who can heal over time and space, over locations. And so today he would tell you, pray for your prodigal. Pray for your daughter and for your son. I see them, I am with them, I am moving in their life. And let's pray for their healing. We have in this, in this situation, we have this very powerful person who has great faith which is an amazing contrast with the next sign. He heals a paralytic person next to a pool who's hoping to be healed by the water. He goes from healing a powerful person with great faith to a paralyzed person with no faith because when Jesus heals this person, the, the guy doesn't even know who did it. He, he's like, I, I, he, didn't, he didn't have so much faith in Jesus. He's like, Jesus, you can heal me. You can do it. He goes, he told Jesus, I just need someone to help me get in the pool. He didn't have the faith. What, what, for some of us right here, this is our invitation. This is our sign to pray because perhaps your faith is faded. Have you ever prayed for something so long and been disappointed so often 
that even to pray for it again, to have that hope open up is just terrifying. Like, I'm not even going to pray for that again because I am so, I'm sick of being disappointed. I don't know if I have the faith to pray for that, Jesus. I feel paralyzed in my life. I feel paralyzed in my fear. I don't know if I can move in that place. You're going to have to move on my behalf. You're going to have to come through for me in a place where I don't think I can do anything. And so perhaps for you today, the sign that you need to engage in is Jesus healing this powerless paralytic who didn't know anything, including didn't know who Jesus said, who Jesus was. But you can say, Jesus, I, I, I need you to help me. I'm asking you again. Sign number four. The feeding of the 5,000 with fish and loaves. It's 5,000, but that's 5,000 men. There's over 20,000 people, men and women and children. And Jesus gives this sermon and then they're all hungry. And and Jesus feeds them all because, of course, there's that one mom who who sent her son. You don't go off seeing Jesus without your sack lunch. And so he shows up with his sack lunch. Thank thank goodness for that mom, you know. I'm glad your moms are out there. Would have been a very different story. So the, the kid shows up and he has, he has some fish and loaves and Jesus takes the meager offering and does amazing things. And maybe this is the miracle that you need to pray today. And it might be financial. You could say, I just don't have enough. But it could be in your marriage. I don't, I don't think we have what it takes to make this. It could be in a relationship. I don't have enough to make this work. It could be in your character. I don't have enough to make a change. And Jesus says in the sign, you bring me what you have and I can do what you cannot. Sometimes when we have so little, we hoard that because it's all we have. In our character, in our marriage, in our energy, and whatever it would be. And Jesus says, you bring, the, you bring what you have to me and I can do what you can never do. And for some of us in our characters, in our character, we have been unable to change over time. And it is time to bring God what we do have and partner with him. Sign number five, walking on water. Jesus has proven he has power over sickness. He has power over wine and fish and food and, and a lot of the things with humanity. But then they're, they're out on a boat and the, and the boat is choppy. There's, there's, there's chaos. There's a storm. And Jesus shows that he has power over the natural as he walks on water. And for many of us right now, you would say, I am in a storm. I'm, I'm in a storm in my life. I am being tossed. I don't have peace I haven't had peace for quite a while. And my spouse doesn't even know how, how stressed I am. People don't know how, how turbulent it is. But I need a Jesus who can walk on the chaos to my boat. I need a Jesus who can walk on the storm, through the storm, to me. In order to perhaps today, When we go to communion, this is the prayer you have. Jesus, I'm in a storm over my head. I need you to to walk on this one for me and come find me. uh, Sign number six, Jesus heals a man born blind. This miracle stands 
stands out, at least in their culture, because the, the, the Pharisees, they believed that no one could heal someone born blind. Not a prophet of God, no one except the Messiah. This was called a messianic miracle, something only the Messiah could do. And Jesus goes up to this man who was born blind and he heals him. He does what they believed that no one could do in their humanity, even with God's help. Jesus heals the person born blind. And, 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 and perhaps for some of you, this is your prayer because you were born into some things that you didn't ask for. Your family of origin or that abuse, you didn't sign up for that at that age. You've been born into some things that have been with you your whole life. Just like this man born blind. And what we see Jesus do right here in this sign is he reaches into this man's darkness, this man's darkness that he has never known any different, and he heals and brings light. And so today, perhaps, your prayer is this, Jesus, I was born into some things I didn't ask for and that have haunted me, I need you to open my eyes. I need you to bring light to my life. I need you to bring healing to my past. This is the Jesus who does the impossible and still offers this today. And the final sign is this. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Another miracle that blew their minds. Amazingly, not just because he raised someone from the dead. There's prophets in the Old Testament who did that. But they believed in their culture that the the spirit of the person hovered over the body for three days and after three days left for the afterlife. And after three days, no one, no prophet, no one could restore that person's life because their spirit had gone to the afterlife. What did Jesus do? Did he go straight to Lazarus when he was sick? Did he wait? Jesus waited. It was after three days. It was the fourth day. Jesus shows up, and that's why Mary and Martha and all the people who know he's Savior, they don't, no one asks, can you heal Lazarus? Because his spirit's gone. No one asks him to heal him, to raise him. And Jesus steps up and shows that he not only has power over nature and humanity and illness, but he has the power over life and death and the grave itself. And on the fourth day, he calls Lazarus out. And Orchard, so many of you have tombs in your life where you have buried hopes and dreams. You had big plans or big dreams, but over the course of your life, you have buried those, and it has been a long time, and there's no life coming out of there. Those dreams are done. Those hopes are gone. And Jesus shows us that when humanity thinks it's impossible, he's in, the pro, he's in the business of raising and resurrecting. And for some of you, he wants to resurrect some hopes and some dreams that you buried a long time ago. These seven signs point to a savior. A savior who's active today. And during communion, the invitation for you is that you would pray one of these seven miracles. God, I need you in the storm. 
God, I need you. As I was born into this, and I need help out. God, I need you in my character that, that you would rise above. God, I need you in my hope that you would call new things out. God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. And Jesus, fully God, is still able and capable of doing what we can never do. This is our prayer today during communion that we would interact and pray, which of these signs, Jesus, I need this in my life. You see, because we've been on the road with Jesus for over a year. We saw him start his ministry and call these teenage boys to come follow him. We saw him walk on the dusty roads. We saw him rebuke the religious people. We saw him break and cry with those who were broken. We saw him do amazing things. We saw him as he grew in popularity. And then we saw his people left him when he said hard things. We've seen Jesus on the road all throughout this past year through the book of John. And next week, we see Jesus in a garden. Fully God, fully human, and distressed at a level that many of us have ne will never experience. Distressed at a level that he was sweating blood as capillaries were bursting. But this is the Jesus we're gonna follow, continue to follow down this road to see where it leads. Because it leads to a cross, but it doesn't end there. And so next week we step back into the flow of John at this very precarious, the most precarious moment of the story. Jesus, fully God, about to be arrested. And then next week's sermon, you'll remember I talked about the four cups of the Last Supper. Well, there's a fifth cup that is terrible, that's terrifying, and that's next week's sermon. But today, Orchard, we need to be reminded of the Jesus of John who did amazing signs and who still wants to move in your life. So, during communion, let us pray and ask him to move how he sees fit. Every time I try to make it on my own Every time I try to stand, start to fall All those lonely roads that I had traveled on There was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground 
When the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know it, I couldn't see it There was Jesus Oh, this man who needs amazing kind of grace Oh, forgiveness at a price I couldn't pay I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching Shadows of the hours in the fire and in the flood. Always is and always was. last song and it's really an invitation um, that we are making to the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us so sing this with us
One last thing, and I just, I, I can't, I can't not say this. I feel so led to, and that is that there, those were seven miracles of Jesus, but there is a miracle that is, that is so great, that is so glorious that each human, uh, God desires us to experience that. And it might be that today you've been in and around church and maybe in and around the orchard, but you need this miracle in your heart right now. And that's the miracle of having Jesus Christ bring your spirit from death to life, forgiving your past, giving you peace in the present, and preparing a home for you in the future. I'm talking about salvation and giving your life to Jesus. And, and I just feel like there, there, I don't know who this is for, but there are some people in here who this is what needs to be settled. This is the miracle you need. And so Orchard, would you pray with me? Would you pray out loud um, with your voice? And let's pray this with our whole heart. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know you died and rose again. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Holy Spirit, 
fill me. In Jesus' name, amen. Orchard, I love you. I'm so glad to be back and for what God has for us this year. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. In the name of Jesus Christ, may these people be blessed to go forth and love God in such an amazing way that they are fueled and fired. And may they love people so that our community cannot deny your, your, your presence. Jesus, we leave this place to go minister to others. And everyone said, I'll see you next week. <laughs>